Tales from the Chip episode 8 with Tom Dyson. Tom is a right arm off spinner who made his first 11 debut in 2018-2019 after moving down from Echuca. He has been captain of the second 11 and has also been on the committee at times. You will often see his car parked at the club many days after the game. Uh, hi there, I'm Clock or Tom. I'm Played at Red Hill for the last eight or so years. Been in majority of the time in the seconds as a right arm off spinner. Very good, very good. So uh, you're a bit of a different case in that you're not really a Red Hill local, but you're also part of a uh, almost a Red Hill royal family. So uh, tell us a bit of that story, how that works. Well, I... Started playing my cricket um, up in Echuca and only, yeah, kind of moved down there, I think about eight, eight or so years ago. Yeah, my, I guess, family connection is with the Shores. Bubsy's playing, played most of his cricket at Red Hill, um, Nico, and then my uncles and family having a lot to do with the Red Hill Footy Club. So, yeah, it was kind of made to be to go to Red Hill. Yeah, I grew up up in Echuca playing cricket there. So, yeah, it was a bit of a different case, I could say, you could say. Yes, most of these I've done so far, it's sort of been like, oh, I just lived in Red Hill and it was the closest club. Um, so it's good to get something that's a little bit different. So just for the benefit of people that don't know, so your mum is Oe Shaw's sister. Um, so Oe Shaw, obviously, Red Hill royalty may in fact be the mayor, um, depending on who you ask. Uh, not so not so much cricket side of things, but certainly footy club, Oe and Mike and that are, are definitely absolute royalty. And then obviously Bubs has been playing in the in the first basically for probably what, 12 or 13 years or something now. Um, Bubs actually debuted in the first, the game after I debuted in the first. So that's how long ago that is. Um, so you sort of answered it pretty much in there. Um, but what uh, what led you down to, to living and playing cricket on the peninsula? Um, well, I moved down for work. So that's kind of why I came to the peninsula and moved in to my you know grandparents' old place. Needed somewhere to play, play cricket. So Red Hill was the obvious choice. Well... Like you said, like a lot of people have said, it was nice and close, um, which definitely came in handy on a couple of uh, Saturday nights. Easy enough to walk home. Um, but, yeah, but the, you know, I didn't really have a choice. <laughs> but um, it also, like, I even came down the season before just for a couple of weeks. So I was just working down this way and I trained did a couple of training sessions um, with the, all the Red Hill boys just during the week. And that was, um, yeah, kind of made up my mind then that, yeah, a like, good bunch of blokes, a lot of guys kind of my around my age. Um, yeah, didn't, didn't even think about going anywhere else, to be honest. Yeah, definitely. It would have been probably... A little bit awkward if you were playing cricket somewhere else and living with Bubs and Nico and that and 
yeah, that wouldn't have wouldn't have worked really well. So yeah, I do remember you coming down uh, the the year before, and that uh, I think it might have been around uh, Bubsy's birthday or something like that. And you came to a couple of training sessions, and before you'd even played a game, before you'd actually joined the club, you'd earned yourself a, a pretty good nickname. So how did you get that nickname, if you remember? <laughs> well, I remember it was Brownie, who seemed to be pretty good at handing out nicknames. Um, and especially ones that would stick. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it must. I can't believe. I can't remember exactly when it was, but I do remember it was a training session, like you said early on. But yeah, just I think it was just because of my bowling action. Is a bit. It's a bit weird, but yeah, it looks a bit like a clock, and so yeah, it just kind of stuck. And like even there's pe- people that, especially in that first season that only knew me as clock so i would always get to you know you're doing the doing the score book or something and they get to my name and they go i don't actually know his don't know his name so yeah it was a bit of a kind of came into the club almost with it <laughs> i actually remember um I, I think i remember it i might be sort of you know coming up with a coming up with a memory in hindsight but I'm pretty sure I remember you bowling at the training session there and I was feel I was standing in the field um somewhere near Brownie and Brownie just sort of burst out with he bowls like a clock or something something along those lines and it pretty much just stuck from it just stuck from that point it was just yeah it was never going to be anything else um and then yeah that, that was around the time uh Dom Dom Tyson was a decent footballer back then. He sort of drifted away a little bit now. Um, yeah, and then obviously there was Dom Tyson playing AFL at the time, and it was just like, what? What is actually Clock's name? Is it Tom Dyson or Dom Tyson or what? Yeah, it was. It was. Um, it was pretty funny at the time. Yeah, Brownies are really good at giving nicknames, especially from his Mount Martha days. He came up with some some really good ones. Um, Go, we know Pollock. He, uh, I think he played in the first when he was 14, uh, when Brownie was still playing, and and Brownie was calling him Santa Claus, uh, because he still believed in Santa Claus when he played his first game in the one. So, I um gave Pollock a fair bit of shit about that one for quite a few years. That was pretty funny. Good one, Brownie. Uh, all right, so you mentioned just before that you've played predominantly in the seconds, um. So when you came down, I think you started in the the thirds. We might have had three or four teams back then, not the six we have now. Uh, So you went through from the thirds, um, predominantly in the seconds, uh, and you actually made your first 11 debut um, a couple of years ago now. So give us a bit of of an insight into moving through the the grades like that and and ending up uh, with the first 11 cap. Uh, Yeah, yeah. So my... I think my first kind of few games were in the seconds. I think we were like short a couple of numbers. Probably shouldn't have been there. Um, but then, yeah, kind of went back down into the thirds and played, yeah, kind of 50-50 those first couple of years, I think, was in the thirds and seconds. Um, and then, I guess, managed to improve a fair bit um, and kind of cemented my spot. In the um, in the seconds, 
um, and then kind of, yeah, played a couple of years in the seconds before, yeah, finally kind of getting a first 11 game, which I was pretty, pretty wrapped with, especially like, as lots of people know, that kind of period was like a very kind of strong period for the club. Um, well, it still is, but um, and like, like that team was pretty bloody hard to break into. So I was, um, yeah, pretty wrapped to be playing like with well, all you guys. Yeah, for kind of, you know, half a season or so I almost played. Yeah, it's pretty pretty good fun but um some funny things about my first game was um so I got a uh a baggy cap presented to me by um Gary Martin which was that was pretty cool in in itself but it was pretty funny because I I'd be you know this brand new baggy red cap and I'm like oh, geez, this is awesome, like, getting your own cap for playing your game in the first, like, like almost like playing test cricket for Australia. And then Mardo's come up to me, like, after after the presentation, before the game. And he goes, oh, hey, Cock, can I, um, can I grab my cap back? <laughs> so, <laughs> I think it was a new kind of thought process from the club or something like that that they'd start presenting people with caps but hadn't got around to getting any caps or anything like that so you know it was it was kind of a funny moment but also like it was it was really awesome getting a cap presented to me by you know club legend and then there was um during the game i was kind of a game i'll never forget um in terms of the game itself, it was pretty shit. We got thumped um, pretty heavily at uh, Baden Powell, um, but we bowled first and managed to get a bowl and got my first wicket, which was a dirty half tracker hit out to deep mid wicket, which is your typical off spinner kind of wicket. So. <laughs> I'm always going to probably remember that wicket. Um, and my first time batting in the ones was even more memorable. I can't remember exactly how many runs we needed to win when I came in at 11, but it was a lot. Um, came into bat with my good mate, Milts, and he's up the other end and on striker's end, and he's decided to hit it straight to the bowler and call yes um and me being my first game of cricket has just first game in the ones has just gone yep i'm just going for it and took off and got about i don't know quarter of the way down the pitch before i got run out for a diamond duck um the first and only time and hopefully the the last i'll ever be run out for a diamond duck so yeah i won't be forgetting my first 11 debut for a for a while <laughs> yeah i do remember that he uh he absolutely barbecued you. you 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 barely crossed you almost ran himself out you it was it was uh it was almost you know that that, that far out 
Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I remember that first game. I remember in the in the preseason, Mardo made a bit of a, a bold prediction for the season and he said, Clock will take a fifer in the ones this season. And this was obviously before you debuted. Um, so it was a big call. But yeah, it was a it was a pretty um pretty sort of sharp, you know, trajectory you went on it over that sort of year or so when you you know went from a, a decent bowler in the in the twos to, you know, being a, a pretty good pretty good first eleven bowler at different stages there. Um, and yeah, I do remember that the cap presentation that was sort of, um, um, I guess I sort of had a little bit to do with trying to introduce that, um, because the guys about my age and that, we sort of just played our first game and, and you sort of sat in the corner and didn't really speak to anyone. And, you know, maybe before the game, the captain might've said, oh, and it's Mocky's first game today. And you, you might've got a bit of a clap and it was all a bit of a, an anti-climax. So, um, we sort of tried to make a bit more of a bigger deal of it. I remember I presented someone with a shirt one day and we didn't have a spare shirt. So um, I handed over one of my shirts. Um, so I was missing <laughs> missing my shirt at that point. Um, yeah, and I, I remember we, we organized Gus to come up and then it was probably like five minutes before, you know, he was going to say something and we were looking around going, oh shit, we don't have a cap. Uh, so just someone find a cap to hand over and we'll take a photo and we'll grab it back. So it was, um, yeah, it was all pretty, um, pretty disorganized, but yeah, I think that's something we can do a bit better this year. We can maybe order a stack of stack of baggy caps and, and chuck them in the bar and, and have them for, for first 11 cap presentations. You know, we, we're going pretty well financially now, so we can probably, uh, fork out for a few baggy caps because they, they used to be pretty expensive um but yeah that was uh that was a yeah like you said it was a it was a strong year i think that was you ended up making the semi-final i think that was the yeah. year uh, we had yeah. our mate alex brown come over for for some of the year so like you said you played about the first half of the year or so in the in the ones um so a couple things. So you played in the ones and then you went back to the seconds and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that was the, you ended up captaining the rest of the year in the seconds, just about. No, no, I think I captained, I captained the year before and the year after that. Yeah. The year before and the year was... after, right. So yeah. Yeah. Yep. Something like that. Um, so a couple of things. What, what was sort of your, your best figures or what was sort of your best bowling performance in the, in the seniors and then when you went back to the seconds uh what was it like going back you know the step back down and then the rest of the year what was the rest of that year like how did the seconds end up going that year oh like to be honest i can't tell you my first 11 best figures i think i was kind of getting a couple wickets every every kind of game yeah i don't think i had any i think you got a couple of game at muraduck maybe or Stretching the memory. Two for 38 in my first game. No, I didn't bowl against Muradoc. <laughs> right, so I've imagined that. <laughs> I'm sure you got a... Did you get a good bowl one day? Didn't you get like a four for or something? A couple of hauls in the seconds, but... You played that rain game we had, didn't, didn't you, when we, were, when we were playing in Lightning? Yeah, that was a, um, a bizarre game. It was a two-dayer. That was one of those games where one team wants to play and then the other team doesn't want to play. And then one team's trying to rush through the overs 
and the other teams, you know, trying to slow it down. It's one of those real cat and mouse sort of games um, that you don't really get in lower grades. You, you only really get it in the first when, you know, the umpires are on top of the rules. Well, sometimes they are, but <laughs> the players are on top of the rules mainly. And we were very lucky that game. Like we, we made a decent score, but it wasn't, I don't think it was a huge score. I think we made about 230, 240 and the ground was so wet, the, you know, you couldn't hit a boundary. So we stayed on. And there was clearly lightning around, but it happened to be that we only had one umpire and it was always behind him. So he didn't, he never saw the lightning. So he stayed on for like an extra, you know, 20 minutes or something at the start before we went off. Um, and then we had to go back on and it was the old last hour rule. So you had to bowl, you got to bowl 15 overs in the last hour. So, we, so up until the last hour, we had to get to, um, how many overs did we play? 80. So we had to get to 65 before the last hour. So we were just, sprinting through and me and Marto were bowling and the ball was yeah. so you couldn't even hold the ball but we couldn't slow down to dry it so I was just running in and bowling like you know with my whole <laughs> hand on the ball to try and hold it and just bowling these three step like not even darts you couldn't even hold the ball firmly enough to bowl a dart you just had to sort of like bowl it down with your whole hand and just hope hope that it got there um, and then it's one of those where you're just sprinting through, you're trying to go as quick as you can, and then it gets to like the you know, you get to that 15 to go and you've made it, and then it's like deep breath, everyone just stops, and then it goes back to normal cricket. It's one of those like weird, yeah. weird games. You never get it in juniors, you never get it in lower grades, you only get it in the first. And if you've never if you've never done it before, you'd be like, What the hell is going on? So yeah, I, I really yeah, that a, remember uh, that game for some reason. It was bizarre. one of those really strange sort of games. Yeah, I, I, I do remember, like, I ran a hell of a lot that game. Like, I was, I, you know, kind of the, the new guy, so I was out on the fence pretty much the that whole kind of period running from, like, yeah, like you said, sprinting from from position to position. And, like, you couldn't could not sprint. You had to. Like, if we, if we all, like, decided we were just going to start, you know, jogging through, then we wouldn't have we wouldn't have uh, made it. So, yeah, but like you said, it's it's one of those games that unless you were kind of there, you you wouldn't really, yeah, it's just one of those kind of bizarre things that cricket has. Yeah, and it'll, it'll be one of those ones you look in this, you look at the scores and it would be, you know, Red Hill won by 50 runs or whatever and there'd be nothing memorable about the scores whatsoever. It would just look like a normal game. Team batted out the overs, didn't make the runs. You know, but there was so much going on that it was, yeah, it was a, it was a weird, memorable sort of game. Even though, just looking at the scores, you'd be like, you know, that looks like a really boring game. Nothing happened at all. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a weird one. All right. So you mentioned back then that you also captained the twos uh, a couple, couple stints. Uh, you know, sort of a couple goes at it. What was? How'd you find that? What, what was the? Um, you know, what were what were some insights into? captaining a, a team for the first time so i kind of had um so i did two seasons and they were kind of both very different to each other the um like the first season i did we were really successful um got all the way to a to, to the grand final and you know lost by 15 runs or something um we were chasing uh and then the the 
the second year, which was two years later, yeah, we weren't kind of anywhere near as good. I can't remember exactly where we finished, but we didn't make finals. It was a bit, a fair bit of a tougher year. So, like, captaining was probably one of the most challenging things I've done in cricket, but also kind of one of the most rewarding at the same time. Um, it was, yeah, you'd, like your good days, like some of the games we played where you'd pulled off things and like having led the team to that was, yeah, it was just made it even more rewarding. But yeah, that some days were like some of the decisions and then getting them wrong, I guess, and then looking back in hindsight and you'd just be constantly thinking, you know, why'd I do that? Or So, yeah, it was um, but something I did thoroughly enjoy most of the time anyway. And probably something I possibly wasn't quite ready for, but, yeah, something I'd like to do again in the, in the future. But, yeah, I'm not talking the next couple of years, but possibly when I've got a bit more experience and been around it a bit longer. Yeah, you're right about it being, um, you know, challenging and, and rewarding at the same time. I remember Sammy Ferguson saying that you, you sort of don't actually realise how many other factors there are to it until you actually do it yourself. Like, you know, he was sort of probably a little bit different in the seconds um, to the thirds or fourths, but he was sort of saying that, you know, before you even pick the team, you've sort of got to sit down and think, all right, can this guy get to this ground on time? Um, you know, how many kids are we going to have versus how many adults are we going to have in the team? You know, who's going to be able to do the <laughs> scorebook? Who's going to bring the gear with them? Um, you know, all this sort of stuff, which, yeah, it, not as much of an issue in the seconds, but there is all those little things that you sort of just forget about. You know, you got to bring the scorebook with you. You got to bring the balls for the warm up. You got to bring, you know, the ball, the, the counter. Uh, you got to put the stumps out, you know, you got to do all that, that extra stuff. Um, you know, it's probably almost like when the game actually starts, you sort of get a bit of a break. You're sort of like, oh, we can just play cricket now. We're not, we don't have to do all this other <laughs> stuff. So, yeah, um, just one memory of mine. I played a couple of games uh, with you in the seconds early in one of those years. And, and it was another one of those rain games again at Somerville. Um, and I just remember... We'd gone off and we, we went out to have a look at the pitch, how wet it was, um, and we, you know, we weren't going to be dicks about it. You know, we were, we were going to play when it was dry. We weren't going to refuse to come out or anything. But probably in the state of the game, we didn't, you know, we didn't have to rush out there, put it that way. Um, and they obviously did want to get out there as quick as possible because you know they were a pretty good chance of beating us. Um, and basically, their captain tried to tried to bully us into just you know going back out as soon as we could. And I, and I just remember you sort of saying, well, no, mate, it's too wet. We're not coming back out yet. You know, and, and that was basically the end of the conversation where, um, you know, you could have easily sort of just just backed down and said, yeah, no worries, we'll go and get ready. But, you know, that wasn't the, that wasn't the right thing for us and that wasn't the right thing, you know, for the game really because it was too wet. We couldn't have played at that point. Yeah, and I, and I do remember, I remember that piece of captaincy, I guess, or, or, or leadership or, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, and I, I remember being quite impressed by that at the time. That was um, 
it was really good. It probably helped, probably, probably helped you the fact that Ross was uh, in the in the club rooms watching the races and um, didn't really want to come back out <laughs> just yet. So yeah. you know that was probably part of it. Um, <laughs> he, he, I think he'd given me some instructions at one point to say like, "Oh, there's a race on in a couple of in you know ten minutes or something. Can we at least push it back that far?" <laughs> and just being like. Yeah, the last leg of the quaddy is about to jump. Can we just uh, can we make sure we watch that? <laughs> but yeah, those those um, you know, even adding on from that other game in the first eleven, those wet games were probably some of the most you know challenging kind of bits as captain because rarely you'll get one of those games where both teams either want to play or don't want to play. There's always someone that wants to play and someone that doesn't. Um, and just, you know, I, I didn't enjoy trying to weasel your way to into either playing or not playing. But, you know, I usually just found if you try and do the right thing and, you know, play when it's safe and, but don't, yeah, don't, don't be pushing anything too far. Then most of the time the, opposition was pretty okay with it but yeah they were always challenging at the time um trying to work work your way through that and then you've got even you know you know teammates that you have some blokes that just want to you know get on the beers and open the bar up and then other guys you know some of the younger guys especially will be super keen they all they want to do is play cricket so um even the the push from from teammates can get challenging in those situations yeah you're right they become real games of cat and mouse sometimes like uh long island one game it was raining um and we'd gone off and we'd gone off and we were in a really strong position batting um we're trying to get back on and then all of a sudden you know we couldn't find a broom in the whole long island club rooms and it was like yeah we're like oh guys you got a broom no we don't have a broom sorry boys and I remember Brownie was there watching and he goes, <laughs> provincial powerhouse, Long Island, and you don't even have a broom in your club rooms. And he's sort of taking the piss out of it. And then, of course, we've got back on and the bloke's come in to bowl the first ball and he's, you know, he's got to his delivery stride and he's done the big, oh, and the big, you know, acted out slip motion. <laughs> and again, someone's yelled out, oh, that was paying a dollar oh one that to happen. Like, you know, it's all a big act sometimes, like, but it is, um, it is really funny when you sort of look back on, you know, the lengths teams will go to not to not to play or, or to play sometimes. You know, I remember Darty having us rolling out a piece of a piece of poly over the pitch one day and it was like, bloody hell, Darty, we're playing we're playing on we're playing on carpet pitches and you're getting us to roll bloody covers out. Um, well I don't think that even worked, did it? <laughs> I can't remember. I can't remember the outcome. I remember it, it made it into the into the local paper. They were going, yeah. I remember someone was even saying that it might have been against the rules, like you weren't allowed to do it. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't, nothing ever came of it in sort of a you know in a rules sense. But yeah, I can't remember the outcome of the game. I think we, we probably would have won back then. We won a lot of games, but yeah, it was uh, it was pretty funny. <laughs> All right, so we mentioned a few <laughs> names along the way already. Who are some of your favourite teammates you've played with along the way at Red Hill? Um, so I've got a, like, there's a few, a lot, like, 
you know, most of the guys at the club, which is probably why I enjoy playing at Red Hill so much. Um, not too many that you come across that you don't enjoy playing with, but um, a few kind of uh, highlights, I guess. Um, one would be PK, especially kind of earlier on when I was playing in the thirds, uh, maybe even a couple of games in the seconds. Um, he was kind of that, you know, he helped me a lot with my bowling, um, probably a big part of me um, becoming the bowler I am today. Um, just more so his, you know, field setting, um, being able to read batsmen and and read the game, I guess. Um, I reckon he's better than kind of anyone I've played with in that sense. So, yeah, especially earlier on, playing at Red Hill, he was huge for that. And then kind of more, more recently, guys like uh, Jacob, um, for his, he's got some great leadership and, and great fun to play with. Um, look, I played for the last couple of years with him in the seconds, and especially last year was probably one of the funnest years of cricket I've had. Um, just even not, not on the field type stuff, but just in and, in and around the club and, and yeah, every game was lots of fun. And to that same, in that same kind of category would be Tony and Teeth. Um, only when they're together, <laughs> you kind of can't separate them. <laughs> just, you, know, you don't ever have to say anything when you're around them. You just sit back and listen to the absolute shit talking. <laughs> and then... Like one of probably Bubsy is as my good mate and cousin. Um, haven't played a hell of a lot of games with him. Yeah, a few games in the first, and then kind of yeah when he would ever get dropped or come down to the seconds to join me. They were always super rewarding kind of games. Like we've worked. He helped me a fair bit with my batting just in the nets earlier on. Um, and you know, obviously good mates, but he's also he's one of those guys that doesn't matter what grade he's playing in. He's like always wants to win, always trying to do his best to for the club and for the team. So yeah, super enjoy playing with him, and then kind of all my mates as well. Which yeah, too many to kind of mention. Yeah, very good. The uh, the Tony and Teeth combination is, um, yeah, when you put them together, it's uh, very, very entertaining. There's uh, never a dull moment, is there? <laughs> no, there's not. Probably talked about most of them already, but um, obviously played at Red Hill for quite a few years now. What, what would be the on-field highlight from that time or the playing highlight? Well, there's a couple. So, um, Source mentioned that semi-final um, against Murdoch. Yeah, that was a pretty big highlight. I remember because it was over to um, over the weekend, so it was Saturday, Sunday. Um, but I remember I don't 
and I was so I was captain that game. I remember we kind of Muraduck had been making massive scores all year, and we came out. and I don't know why, but I kind of thought we had to make like three hundred. Um, which thinking back on it was kind of like, well, we don't have to make three hundred, but so we didn't. Like we made, I can't remember exactly how many we made, but I remember thinking after that game, like, geez, we haven't got enough here, and and just thinking overnight, oh god, like, don't know what's going on here. But then, kind of, almost waking up the next day, and everything having changed, it's just one of those kind of bizarre things where just a night's sleep changes, kind of your perspective, which I think it did for at least for like all the guys in the team or most of them at least. Cause I just remember everyone turning up that next day being in a completely kind of different mindset than we were that, that day before or after the game. So, um, and in, yeah, in the end we ended up winning that game with race taking six and, and the rest of it you've heard, um, from source. Um, the other game was the, the the granny the next week. Um, even though we didn't win, um, but it was a like it was a pretty bloody hard fought game against one of our kind of rivals, I guess Somerville. Um, um, and like you know, Bray scored a a pretty pretty sweet hundred. I actually took five for that game, so from a personal kind of thing, that was was pretty happy with that. But then, yeah, it was pretty devastating getting so close to um to not win. Um, and then, kind of a, a funnier one, I guess, is my actual actually my first game as captain against Pines, and we actually won outright in that game. I probably should have stopped then. Yeah. But it was it was pretty bizarre because I actually declared on Nobby. I think he was on about eighty odd because at that point in the I think because I don't I didn't captain the first game. I must only captain half the season I think. Well you know the you know, that kind of came in a little little way through the season. But, yeah, we, I kind of thought at the time, oh, look, we've got an opportunity here to go for outright. So I'm going to have to declare and put them back in because we're in, in a strong position. And then in the end, we, I think, yeah, Milts was playing as well. So he kind of scared a few blokes that hadn't, um, hadn't kind of faced that quick bowling before. So, um, yeah, we kind of ran through them very quickly again um, and had plenty of time kind of, or would have in hindsight, had plenty of time for Nobby to get his 100 as well. Um, But, yeah, that was kind of a memorable game. Yeah, you don't uh, you don't play in many outright wins, so when you play in one, it's uh, sort of sticks in your memory a fair bit. I'm trying to think if I've played in any. I think I might have played in one, maybe, oh, maybe a couple, but yeah, I think I think only one in the seniors. Um, yeah, so they they stick out a fair bit. 
Um, so that's some pretty good on-field memories. Um, so what about your favorite off-field moment or maybe the funniest funniest thing you've seen or funniest thing you've witnessed uh, as part of Red Hill? <laughs> so there's a few, um, some which I probably can't tell. Um, you know, I've been on, I think, every kind of trip away since I've come to the club. I've, I've kind of got a big thing that I should go on every trip away that I can. Um, been to lots of different places from, you know, to Bondi a few times, Hobart, and then even like, you know, your <laughs> Mansfield, um, your Golden Beach just camping like but doesn't kind of real. I feel like it doesn't really matter where you go it's to the who you're with type thing um and it's always a good time no matter who's there or or where you are but one that kind of stands out for me was actually my first trip away um at Red Hill where we went back to Pachuca of all places um which I kind of at the time was a bit like, are you serious, blokes? I've been hearing all about your your awesome trips to Bondi and I turn up the first year and you want to go back to my hometown. But we got a houseboat, which was great fun. Um, but <laughs> the story I've got about it is, so we're on the houseboat, um, kind of the, the first night was a pretty big night, as they always are. Um, and you know most of us are sleeping but there was a handful of of blokes I think about four of them that hadn't slept and they came out with this kind of grand idea that they would start the houseboat and start driving it down the river so that we would all wake up slowly wake up and we all come out and we go oh geez how good is this we're already cruising down the river this is awesome type thing. Um, the only issue was that they driving a houseboat on the river can be quite tricky. And they, in the attempt of getting it off the bank, they actually made it worse and it drifted around and got us stuck on the bank. So all I remember is, I think I was one of the first ones kind of awake, was getting woken up to the sounds of an engine revving walking out onto the onto the front of the boat and seeing Chris Smith revving the engines and me looking at him going, Chris, you're going you're revving it the wrong way. It's going backwards instead of forwards or something. So we've, in the end we've had to all 15, 20 of us have had to jump out into the cold April water at eight o'clock or seven o'clock or whatever the time was in the morning and try and push this this houseboat off um it wasn't we're lucky that we had torches dad's speedboat and he was able to you know make enough waves to rock the boat off the bank and eventually we kind of got underway but i just thought that was it it was a very funny kind of moment where a few blokes had a very uh a good idea that wasn't quite executed properly. <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't actually there for that one, but I have heard that story. Um, uh, yeah, I wish I was there for that one. It was 
a great idea at the time from Super or who's ever, whoever idea it was. Uh, something about Red Hill Cricket, Cricket Club, Triple A and uh, Houseboats, um, which doesn't seem to go so well. Uh, there's a story from way back about a houseboat trying to uh, get into the Meetung jetty one day way back uh, that uh, I'm going to get that story out of somebody in a future episode you know, story in uh, in its entirety because it's uh, the, the way I've heard snippets of it, it sounds like it was probably the funniest thing ever. So um, I'm looking forward to that one. And uh, maybe next time we get a houseboat for a trip away, we just, um, you know, we don't even try and drive it anywhere. anywhere. We just uh, park it and, and just sleep on it and that'll do. I think that might be a, a better idea. <laughs> yeah, well, I think I don't think Red Hill can uh, put their name down for any houseboats. Yeah, yeah, that's right. If you if you're running a, a a houseboat hire company and you see Red Hill Cricket Club, maybe um, yeah, maybe don't don't give us that one in future. Probably just save us the trouble and say no. Sorry, boys. All right, so we'll finish off with this one clock. Um, what do you think it is uh, that sets Red Hill apart as a, as the, the best club going around? Um, well, a few things that a few of the other guys have kind of talked about already, but um, and Nobby touched on the ground itself um, and the location of it and the, but the chip. The ground at my home club of um, Chuka South that's like got its own kind of perks and stuff, but it's it's not that much of an exciting ground. It's just large, usually dry and hot, um, not a hell of a lot of atmosphere. Whereas the chips kind of yeah, and it's it's got like a, it's a home ground advantage, which I think is pretty rare when it comes to you know concrete. Um, synthetic pitches um, they're all pretty much the same like there's slight differences but with the chip I love the the fact that you know knowing when you can run a two you know but if you hit it to a certain spot up the hill I know there's only actually one there and if you're coming back for the two then you're a good chance of getting run out so actually having those kind of intricacies um, being able to you know, encouraging you to play straight at the ground, you know, hitting down the hill, um, all that type of thing. And, you know, you talk to guys at other, that play at other clubs or just blokes that played at the chip, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago and they, from other clubs, and they'll tell you how much they hate the chip. And that, for me, gives it like that, you know, extra thing. Well, <laughs> that's good you hate it. Like, you know, that's kind of why... I like it because you, you know, it's actually got a home ground advantage. The other thing is the kind of winning culture at the club. So when I first came to the club, it was, you know, you guys had just won your kind of first flag in, in a few years, and you know, I came in and it was pretty, pretty different to the club I'd been at. Um, you know, the Thursday night dinners. Every single Thursday night, you always know that you can get um, pay ten bucks. You can get a meal that's you know pretty solid. That's thanks to Roscoe most weeks, and just being able to be kind of mates with everyone throughout the club. So everyone from your 
the sixth, sixth eleven, or even the um, juniors, all the way up into the first eleven, especially on a you know a Saturday night or a Thursday night catch up on all the you know games or you know how the other teams are going. And I've had a few you know long nights with some guys that normally you wouldn't expect to be hanging out with or expect to like I wouldn't normally have a beer with lots of lots of guys like that but with it at Red Hill you can kind of you know end up having hours and hours talking to these guys about what's going on in their life and and the rest of it so yeah and just yeah the answer is just a great club and I love being there yeah it is it's a big you don't really realize how much of an advantage it is even just bowlers getting to the ground and going, well, I can't bowl at this end. Like, and it just um, reduces the options that the the other team has with their bowlers. And especially with uh, it all being one day cricket at the moment, um, you know, you've got to fill your overs from, from both ends, obviously, you know, in two days, you could have somebody that could bowl 20 overs up the hill and you could sort of get away with it and rotate your bowlers at the other end. But, um, obviously being one day is it only being able to bowl eight overs now. If you're struggling for bowlers that can bowl uphill, it's um, it, it can make it pretty difficult, especially in the one-day games. Yeah, And then, yeah, just a little quirks like, uh, you know, it always pulls up that little bit quicker going up the hill, like you said. So it's sort of if you hit up up to that sort of corner towards the, um, the old scoreboard, uh, it's always pretty risky to come back for two. Um, you've got to run back uphill and it's sort of a – it's always that little bit shorter throw than you think because the ball's pulled <laughs> up a bit quicker. And definitely yeah. definitely hitting straight is, is a massive advantage. Like um, I think that's such a, a good thing, especially for young kids and that learning to bat on the chip. You know, I'd just be trying to I'd just be trying to hit balls straight back down the ground every time, like down the hill. Um, you know, I'd much rather learn my cricket there than than somewhere like Main Ridge where you'd just be always trying to hit balls square of the wicket and you'd, you'd get yourself into really bad habits. So um, I think it's something that we can definitely push with juniors, you know, even more than we do. Just keep hitting that ball straight back down the hill. It'll just, it'll run for four after Christmas when it's dry. It gets pretty quick. So just, just, just block balls back down there. Like Dada used to do all the time when the ground was lightning, he would literally just block balls back past the bowler and you're not stopping it down that hill. Yeah, and then your, your, your last point about Thursday nights and things like that, we've sort of got a bit of a core of, you know, your, your eight or ten that are sort of there pretty late every Thursday. But then, yeah, the really good thing is, you know, every couple of weeks there'll be, you know, another couple of blokes will stay way later than they usually stay. And the next week it might be, you know, someone different again. And you sort of get that, you know, that sort of different, different little edge to the group, you know, every week. So everyone feels really comfortable, obviously, you know, staying for hours after training or dinner, you know, having dinner and staying and um, everyone feels comfortable to do that. It's not just this is the core group of guys that stay and nobody, you know, nobody else is coming. You know, if anybody feels like hanging out that bit longer after dinner or whatever, it's really, really welcoming and really everyone's on board with that. And, you know, it's, you know, I sort of find it exciting when somebody new saying like, "Oh, you know, that was cool." Or, or it's um, yeah, I kind of found that the um best kind of the best way for a new player to, if you ever come into the club, is to just go to a Thursday night kind of training, and then just stay for a few hours after training. You don't, you know, 
we're talking midnight or anything like that, but you stay till 10 and you just kind of have a few few drinks um, or whatever your kind of your specialty is, I guess, and just, you know, chat to the guys because all of a sudden you kind of, you know, there's, there's a few guys that have been around the club for a, a few years, but you don't really know who they are until sometimes, until they, you know, they'll stick around for a Thursday night and then all of a sudden they're almost your best mate. So it's, yeah, it's one of those kind of bizarre, bizarre things that, yeah, if I was ever, you know, doing my time again, it's 100% what you'd, you'd do is you'd just go to a Thursday night, Thursday night dinner. Yeah, you're right. There, you might get a few. Um, you might get a bit of a, an interrogation or some home truths or something from Ross or or Lincoln, but it's all it's all really good natured and it's all <laughs> you know it's all in good fun and and good humour and yeah it's um yeah you're right it's the best thing best thing you can do if you ever wanted to break into a new club or whatever um, whatever you want to call it it's definitely the the best thing you can do. So there's the chat with the big clock. Uh, some interesting insights there from somebody who's not always been around Red Hill, so that's good to get a different view on some things. Good to get the side of the houseboat story from the witness as well as the perpetrator last time, so that's always interesting. Uh, well done if you got to the end of this recording. Uh, looking forward to the next episode. Uh, if you could give it a rating in Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, that would be greatly appreciated. All right, see you next time.